What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Friday. Welcome to college football. Welcome to the end of the preseason. I'm your host, Will Brinson. This is CBS Sports only daily NFL podcast. We are about to go live into the full week of the regular season, the first full week of the regular season next week. Labor Day will kick things off. Of course, we'll have a show on Monday. You'll be doing your fantasy drafts. You'll be gambling. You'll be calling into our telethon. We're going to do a fantasy football telethon telethon from 3 p.m. to 10, 10, 10 p.m. 10, uh, 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. on CBS Sports HQ. If you go to cbssports.com backslash live, you'll be able to watch it. You'll be able to call in. You can ask me questions. I literally, before I recorded this intro, was packing my white dinner jacket. I'm actually thinking about audibling to a seersucker suit. Let me know if you hear this in the morning, which one I should wear. Um, I'll be checking with my bosses in the AM as well. We're going to get some news, and then we're going to get to Mina Kimes of ESPN, who was kind enough to join and go through all the divisions. I don't know why Mina agreed to do that, but she did. She's the best, and this is a really fun and entertaining show. It's a little bit longer. Like I said, these shows are, the shows are just going longer. This is a, it's not a 30 minute podcast anymore. If you were hoping for that, I'm sorry. Get stuck in traffic or something. Uh, the news very quickly, just to run through it is, is mostly, I think, a, um, a slew of, of preseason reactions, but it is worth noting uh, a couple of different things. Kirk Cousins, as it turns out, did I talk about this yesterday? I might have turned down $90 million, fully guaranteed from the Jets. Adrian Peterson has a hit list for his media critics. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey has a lot of things to say. We'll get to that in a second because the article was about, was written by Mina. Uh, Rob Gronkowski reworked his contract with the Patriots. Basically got more cash up front. And then week four preseason. Oh, yeah, the, the Raiders want two first-round picks for Cleo Mack. Get out of here, Gruden and Reggie McKenzie. What are you doing? And then the NFL week four preseason action took place on Thursday night. Not a ton to take away from it. It is preseason action. But worth noting that Baker Mayfield and the Browns look good early on. Cameron Meredith caught a touchdown pass for the New Orleans Saints from Taysom Hill. They traded for Teddy Bridgewater, didn't play him on Thursday. Lamar Jackson also looks sharp for the Baltimore Ravens. That's a big deal. Jason Lockenfora noted on Twitter, nice half of football for Lamar Jackson. Ravens were already open to trading RG3 prior to this outing. They won't give him away or cut him, but the Rams, Jags, Cowboys, Dolphins, Panthers, or whoever else could land him for a fifth-round pick that moves to a four based on performance. Um, two guys who not – necessarily seeing their arrows going up. A.J. McCarron came in for the Bills and looked horrendous. Throwing pick sixes for no reason in a week four preseason game. You can't be doing that. He eventually would come back. He had like a zero passer rating. Was 5 at 13 for 39 yards. Three yards per attempt. No touchdowns. One pick. And a seven passer rating at halftime. He came back and threw a bunch of like two touchdown passes and led the Bills on a comeback, which may have saved his roster spot. I, I I don't know. I mean, like that's a tricky situation. They're gonna have to go with somebody to while well, they wait for Josh Allen. It's all it's all messy thing. Um, and then the other guy, Christian Hackenberg, a total and utter disaster for him uh, in his uh, in his Eagles performance. Had two interceptions, took two sacks. 4.3 yards per attempt, lost a fumble, no touchdowns, went 7 of 16 for 69 yards and a 16.9 passer rating, ran for 66 yards, and uh, threw the ball to some Jets players. 
which feels mean to to make fun of him for that. But you know, there it is. Danny Etling, by the way, and credit to Sean Wagner McGough for for putting together a nice little takeaways piece here in this week four action. Uh, Danny Etling, who the Patriots drafted in the seventh round, ran for an eighty six yard touchdown on a read option play. It was incredible. Go find that highlight. It is well worth watching. He uh, he looked over his shoulder ninety seven times on on the play in question, but uh, would eventually score. Watch your back, Tom Brady. Um, so anyway, Mina Kimes coming up. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can still sign up for the Pick Six Podcast. Excuse me, the Pick Six Podcast Pickums League. Say that twelve times fast, six times fast, I guess. Uh, Pick Six Pod.Football.CBSSports.Com. I'll tweet out a link as well. Uh, we're wrapping up these fantasy drafts for the league, so that's exciting. You can go to Sportsline.Com and get fantasy DFS and gambling information. On the cheap, $1, use promo code PASS. And I think you can still go to cbssports.com backslash kickoff sweeps and register to win a 65-inch TV. I think that ends on Friday, today. So if you haven't done that, go register, and uh, you can win. We want somebody from the podcast to win. In the meantime, let's go talk to Mina Kimes about Jalen Ramsey, who, by the way, said that uh, Gronk is overrated and that Tom Brady made Danny Amendola, that he could make the NHL if he uh, had a month to train and, uh, and and also said that Jimbo Fisher is uh, basically worthless. So really crazy stuff from Jalen Ramsey. If you haven't read it on ESPN.com, go check it out. Let's go talk to the author of that very piece, Mina Kimes. All right, Mina, thanks for hopping on the uh, podcast machine. I know that it is uh, probably the first podcast you have ever done and certainly the first podcast you've done this week, right? <laughs> I I'm nervous. Like I, what a podcast you called it? Yeah, it's um, it's a thing where like people who work on the internet talk to each other across the internet waves. This, I think this is actually the uh, you did. I know you did Bill Barnwell show because you you gave me a shout out on there. I appreciate it. Um, and then I believe I saw that you did the broadcast, which yes, which uh, and I um, if I was following Twitter correctly. It means that some of those, those, the ladies, the broads who work for, um, NFL.com and I, cause I did Damashek's show last week. This is, it's podcast season is what it is. I did yeah. Damashek's show and, um, and, and, uh, MVP was on there, but I think they came to your house and did a podcast, right? Yes. That was a fun one. Not a lot of, um, NFL talk. <laughs> well, <it's, yeah. laughs> NFL podcast. Uh, is it, it's an officially sanctioned NFL, uh, podcast. Good for them. Those, they're, they're talented, talented ladies. Everybody, Very funny. if you don't have, uh, multiple podcasts these days, what are you doing with your life? Uh, well, actually, I know what you're doing with your life. You're writing an awesome Jalen Ramsey story that appeared in, that will appear in ESPN the magazine and appeared on ESPN.com on Thursday. We're recording, people are listening on Friday. We're recording oh, on Thursday. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess I'll ask you, well, I'll ask you this. How, what did you think about, had you ever been into like backwoods Tennessee before? Cause this is a different place. So my brother lives in Nashville, actually. Oh. Yeah. So I was really, um, and he, he lives not in backwoods Tennessee, although he, he's lived in, um, he lived in Memphis for a while. And so he's been all over Tennessee. So I have seen different parts of the state. Um, and I was excited when I found out Jalen was spending a summer there. You know, as I mentioned the piece, um, it's not that like a lot of players like him will be in Miami or LA, but he really, he does Smyrna with his dad. And, um, so I, I was excited to go there though, just for an excuse to see my brother and to meet the legend, Big L Lamont Ramsey himself. Uh, but you know, Jalen chose all the stuff we did. 
uh, going to Logan's Roadhouse. I don't know if you guys have that chain. Oh yeah. In- NC, you do? Okay. Oh, yeah. Peanuts on the table, very classy. There's actually like, there's actually multiple different versions of Logan's Roadhouse all across. Like there's a Longhorn Steakhouse. I don't know if that's national or not, but I mean, that's. Well, I've been there. Yeah. You, been yeah. Yeah. You get like peanuts and then, but as a kid, there's nothing better than going to a place where you can literally, you're encouraged to throw your peanuts on the floor oh, while eating. It's the best thing in the world. So yeah, I mean, like that's a, yeah, that's a very Southern thing. Logan's and, and Longhorn. I mean, I'm 32 and I was just shredding peanuts. I was like, <laughs> talking seriously about his life. I was like, uh huh, or throwing peanut shells to the side. I don't know. I always, I've had so many weird experiences with these profiles because in the summer, these guys are just free. So you meet them wherever. Um, and it's just, you know, we're, we went to there. We went to his dad's garage. We went to Sonic, also his choice, and sat outside at an empty Sonic for like two hours. As one he does. There, like every day. If you want to see Jalen Ramsey, go to a Sonic because that's that's his hang. <laughs> he he had a psycho. I I think I mentioned this in the story. I, I he drank a giant Powerade mango like a custom slush, and then followed that up with a cookie dough shake, which is the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's I mean it's. It's like mixing fire and ice in your stomach. It makes it's unbelievable. And then we went to Top Golf, and he drank two giant strawberry lemonades, just like a completely sociopathic combination of beverages. That sounds like so, like you always hear like Chad Ochocinco used to do. You know, he, I mean, he always like he'd eat McDonald's before every game. It's amazing yeah. to me just how like in shape the. I mean, and they're you know ten or fifteen years younger than you know us as we're talking about this. But I mean, like, I, I mean, if I, I, I if I go out and have three beers i'm toast for a significant amount a significant period of the next day much less i mean if i if i drink like those slushies and stuff i'd just be fat and jalen ramsey is just <laughs> sauntering around just taking his blowtorch to the entire nfl were you do you uh, what were, did he did he like volunteer to destroy people like rob gronkowski and danny Mandola or is it, i mean it was pretty it's not hard to pry it out of him right no, yeah, some of it was prompted and some of it not, and I kind of wanted to make that clear in the piece, like I would say if I asked him, you know. Um, with him, he's not really an entertainer. It's funny because I think people he, – he's not like Dion in that he's not trying to do it to get attention, and I think people would probably disagree with that idea, but it's more that he's just like very blunt and says what he thinks. And so if you ask him, like you pointed at – you know, a flower and said, what do you think of that flower? And if he thought it was trash, he would just say it's trash. It's a trash <laughs> flower. So it, it's not so much like he's trying to generate these sound bites. It's just that he will literally answer whatever you ask, which as you know, covering the NFL is not that common. Yeah. It never happens, especially with high profile guys. I think the yep. interesting comparison, and I'll give credit to uh, my friend, Adam Gold, who does radio in Raleigh and, and has appeared on this podcast, but he made the point while I was doing a show with him that Jalen Ramsey does not catch the same sort of grief that Richard Sherman does. And I mean, like Sherman was uh, vilified. I mean, like, and the Seahawks, not, not, I mean, like they were just like put up against Peyton Manning and the Broncos in that Super Bowl after he did the whole Colin Kaepernick, uh, Michael mm-hmm. Crabtree thing. Is it, is it because he talks about societal issues? Sherman did and, and Ramsey's just burning wide receivers or like what's the reason that Ramsey hasn't moved into that sort of um you know uh I don't know what the the phrase like the like the CNN level discussion you know what I mean <laughs> yeah and Ramsey actually has been you know he kneels for the anthem he didn't yeah. come out uh so it's not like he is apolitical right um 
I think the Sherman moment, which was coincidentally also the happiest moment of my life, was <laughs> <laughs> coming off of it anyways. No, the, um, but it, I, it actually was the greatest football game I've ever seen. But he, that moment was very unique. Um, cause so Richard Sherman had already talked trash before then, right? It wasn't yeah. like he was this meek person who came out of nowhere and, and said Crabtree was mediocre and got next to Aaron Andrews. But and, and I don't think he was vilified as much. He was treated kind of like how Jalen is treated, how every trash talking cornerback has been treated or player. But that moment um was unusual in that I think the visual of the quote unquote angry black man next to Aaron Andrews, the the emotion, the intensity, the fact that it was on camera, that it was live, all of those things kind of collided um to anger a certain section of sports fans in America in a way that if it was just written down, you know, Ooh. I don't think anyone would have cared. So you're saying that it angered a bunch of people who don't know how to read is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it angered a bunch of people who are already predisposed to be angry about um, people like Richard Sherman. And, and of course the irony is, and I'm not disparaging Jalen Ramsey's academic um, skill set based on where he went to school. I mean, Florida State's a fantastic school. I got a cousin of mine who's attending there and a cousin who just graduated. Uh, but Richard Sherman, you know, sort of went to a, a, a better school. So, I mean, it's like, it's like people like thought that Richard Sherman was, uh, like, I mean, the, the word thug was thrown out. I'm, I'm certain yeah. on, on Fox News and, and yet, uh, you know, no, nobody's concerned about Jalen Ramsey. That's a great point about that. How do you think the Jaguars do this year? Because the prevailing assumption coming into last season was that the Jaguars, despite their talent, would only manage to win maybe seven games because they weren't going to break through and they finally did break through. And now it's just blindly assumed that defense will continue to succeed uh, despite Blake Bortles and that the Jaguars are a lock to win the division. Well, you know, so I, I don't know about luck. I've got them winning the division. I think the Texans are a pretty high variance team that could yeah. outperform them. Right. I, I don't know if it, just because the injuries and coming back and all that, they've got so much talent there, but Jacksonville is interesting. They, they haven't lost that many players. Um, Aaron Colvin was, you know, sort of the biggest loss on D, unless I'm missing someone, I'm totally blanking. No, they, they, they added, I mean, Andrew, you know, they haven't added, they added Andrew Norwell. I mean, they, they've done a great job building out of, like, getting better this offseason. I mean, they just yeah, haven't lost Yeah, and, and so, and then obviously losing Marquise Lee is the big hit for them because they're already so weak, um, in terms of offensive weapons, right? Yeah. So, but they were last year. It wasn't like they had Allen Robinson last season either, right? So it's hard to say. Like Blake Bortles, again, I said the Texans were a high-variance team, but he was such a high-variance quarterback last year. I mean, for one month, he was one of, if not the best quarterback in football, okay? And for a couple of playoff games, he looked great too. So I think the that offense will rise and fall depending on which Blake Bortles we get. But the defense is so good that I'm still not going to pick against them in the division. Yeah, I've got the Titans winning the division, and I think you're you're spot on 100% with the Texans being high variance. Like if Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt are healthy and Whitney Merciless and Jadavion Clowney have really good years, the Texans can easily win the division and be a playoff team. And if that doesn't happen, which is possible given the injuries, they could – crater and, and win four games again. Um, I, I don't like, I don't feel I I'm, I'm going with my Titans pick because I've had that all along and I don't feel confident of it because I'm scared by the Jaguars. Um, but it, then there's the, the Blake Bortles thing. And I get, look, this is a Pete, Pete Prisco appears on this podcast, pumping up Blake Bortles all the time. So, I mean, this is a Blake Bortles friendly zone, I guess. I just, I just have a problem 
like we're just blindly assuming that 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 Blake Bortles will be fine over the course of a season, and and that Teddy Bridgewater wouldn't have been an upgrade. I, I don't know. It, to me, to me, the Jaguars have more questions, and it's one of those things that might look obvious once the season starts, or they'll just be incredible, and and we'll all feel stupid. Uh, let's move to the AFC East. Do you think that? And we can we can actually talk about another uh, ESPN the magazine feature. Seth Wickersham wrote the definitive uh, Belichick Brady tension takedown last year. Do you think the Alex Guerrero Belichick Brady stuff actually affects the Patriots on the field in 2018? No, I don't because well, first of all, I think you know the Patriots are just going to roll because of the division, but I think that dynamic. I think it's a real story and. It, well, not, I mean, obviously Seth's reporting, but I, I meant like, why are we still talking yeah. about it? Right. I, I think it's important um, because it affects the decision-making of the franchise. Right. I, and that was sort of the point of Seth's story was how it kind of trickled into the Jimmy G stuff and, and some of the decisions that they've made. But as far as the on the field product, I don't think it affects it at all. I think it's more just, um, you know, the, like maybe it affects Bill Belichick, the GM more than Bill Belichick, the coach, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, the, uh, I'll write up a story for this podcast. It'll be Kimes Colin Wickersham's reporting in question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that, that was that was the. I mean that was that thing was a bombshell. I do think that it's it's just hard to find. Like like I can see a situation where Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and Philip Rivers all just completely fall off the cliff this season from a physical standpoint in a Peyton Manning kind of way. It's really hard to find a situation where you actually believe Tom Brady's going to fall off a cliff. Like they wouldn't have traded yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo if they thought he was going to do that. Right. I mean that they just wouldn't do that. Also, I mean, he just showed no signs of regression last season. I mean, Tom Brady, it, it kind of reminded me of how LeBron suddenly became like a distant shooter. Like Tom Brady, his deep ball improved last year. Yeah. I, I, like I, I don't understand how he's doing it. Right. Um, so I guess maybe Alex Guerrero doesn't deserve to be there, but <laughs> unless Tom Brady gets injured, which I think is more likely than him falling off at this point, um, I just don't see how this team doesn't roll. You know, like I, I the defense is going to be better, although I think people are underrating the Matt Patricia absence. Um, but you know, they did make some improvements. They have some guys coming back from injury. I don't think they're a good roster. I kind of got into it. My colleague might play on the, about this the other day, but I don't think they, they just don't need to be that anything better than average when they've got Brady there. Yeah. And like back to Jalen Ramsey, he made a really good point. I mean, he said Tom Brady makes these wide receivers and I, I don't think that he's, I mean, I don't think he's a hundred percent accurate on that. I don't think he's, I think he's right, but I also think the Patriots make these wide receivers. They, they bring in these guys like Danny Amendola and Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, who are hard, willing to embrace the Patriot way of working and grinding and being Tom Brady's little, um, you know, mini-me right-hand man dude. And when you work with Tom Brady in that way and you're like, and you're, you're locked in with him on a mind meld, it just ends up working with the system that they have and, and the way that he throws those quick routes and, and the way that they're working together on the field as, as teammates. I think the other thing that, that's really smart that New England's done as Tom Brady's gotten older is they added, or they, or they, they drafted him and now they're paying him, but Shaq Mason and, and Joe Tooney, because the way that you mess Tom Brady up is with interior pressure. Like if you can get him and get him off his spot, then that's how you do it. And they now have good guards who can protect him up the middle. Um, if you had to pick one team, like who's the next team to win a division title in the in the AFC East? 
Oh my God. Um, I would go with the Jets. Ooh. I mean, talk about winning the week, by the way. You know, yeah. the Teddy trade. I don't know if we can talk about sure. what that means when we get to the NFC South a little bit because I, I remain puzzled by it from their perspective. But from the Jets' perspective, what a W. Okay. And I, I was pretty high. I, I, Sam Darnold was my number one quarterback headed into the draft. Um, you know, living out here in LA, I've got, I've gotten to watch him play a lot being a, a Pac 12 fan. You do. And <laughs> you guys are going to be good this year. Oh, we'll see. But I, I, I hope so. But I, I just, can, I, I was extremely impressed by him in the preseason. Um, so, and, and I do think that defense has a lot, a lot of really strong talent. McCannis has some pretty good drafts. So I think if Darnold doesn't have enough weapons right now, um, but that team I could see, you know, with the, if, when, if ever the Patriots begin to decline, to me, that would be, they would be the natural successor in yeah. that division. I'm with you. I think the one problem that like, <laughs> can't you see Sam Dar, the Jets prying open a window with Sam Darnold's rookie contract and, and Tom Brady plays like through the entirety of his rookie contract. So then they have to give Sam Darnold 20 million a year. And then they close the window and, and lose all those good players and, and still don't win. That would be very Tom Brady of him. Um, I, but yeah, I like, I like Darnold. He just has this steady, easy demeanor and nothing seems to really phase him. Uh, less, uh, steady and easy as a person. John Gruden, who is now coaching the Oakland Raiders, uh, and he did your Seattle Seahawks a huge favor by hiring away Tom Cable, who is also apparently influencing his draft decisions and his personnel moves by letting him start a left, a rookie left tackle in the system. Why is John Gruden listening to Tom Cable? I saw, I can't remember which CX fan it was. Someone I'm friends with on Twitter tweeted, um, Blair Walsh gave us the greatest gift of all, which was getting rid of Cable. <laughs> right? We should always thank him for that. It was something along those lines. And I, and I, I, frankly, I agreed. I could not have been more thrilled, like 99.9% of CX fans. It was kind of funny. I feel like for so long, the narrative was that, oh, Tom Cable is doing everything he can, but he's given nothing. And then finally someone pointed out to the national media that actually the CX had spent a ton of draft picks, like high draft picks on offensive linemen. And, you know, we're paying bad free agents as well. So good riddance. Um, as far as Oakland goes, yeah, I, that boggles the mind. I mean, I, I have not been a fan of that team's offseason in pretty much any way. Although they signed a slot corner. Like, I forget who it was. It wasn't um, Aaron Colvin. Who did they add? They added a – that I'm looking at the Raiders. I don't think, I mean, they made, uh, no, they didn't, um, who did they add? Oh, Dominic Rogers Cromartie, maybe? Um, Leon Hall? Was, no, uh, it wasn't Cromartie. Daryl Worley? Uh, huh, maybe it was, maybe, I can't remember. Maybe it was somebody, maybe it was somebody else other than the Raiders. coming back, and so, you know, that'll, that'll help. But, um, I don't understand, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, I don't understand what's happening with Khalil Mack. It does not like forget the fact that they don't want to pay him and and the rumors that Mark Davis actually just doesn't have the money to do it. How do the how have they not talked to him since February? Like what is? It's insane. It just doesn't make any sense. It makes it makes no sense. Like he's your he's not. And all due respect to Derek Carr, he's not. You're just your best defensive player. He's your best player. And he was a top five pick drafted by this regime. He is a former defensive player of the year. He can play inside. He can play outside. He's good at stopping the run. He can rush the passer. He's a beloved guy in the locker room and he wants a contract commiserate with what he's done on the field and what his skill set is. 
So why would you not give him the contract? Why would you not beat Aaron Donald to the jump, bang out a contract with Khalil Mack early on, pay him, get him in there? I mean, like, does it, it's almost so ridiculous that the, that the Mark Davis cash rumors kind of make sense. And, you know, coupled with the fact that they gave John Gruden a hundred million dollars for 10 years. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think so if, if the Donald deal does come in early next week or whatever, you know, um, I don't think necessarily Mac, there'll be an expectation that he has to make more than him, right? Oh, see, because, I think there is. You, yeah. I mean, well, so, but, well, I thought there was, but then why was it like, how do we not hear that from the Raiders side? Because usually when there's these kinds of contract impasses, we, we hear, well, he wants to be paid a zillion dollars and, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing's gotten out, out of this, right? Which it just boggles the mind. Um, I, you know, I saw, I can't remember if this was coming from like the Raiders or people were saying, well, their defense has been so bad. So how can you pay this guy X money when you've got, you know, one of the worst defenses in the NFL? Well, there are other players on that team. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Whatever. I, I can't. I, there's no explanation for it to me. Um, you, well, I mean, when you look at this, when you look at this roster, like again, all due respect to the guys on the roster, but if you don't have Khalil Mack on that defense, there's no way in hell that this team is going over their total of eight games, much less figure out a way to stop the Chargers and the Chiefs, or even the Broncos. Like, they're not going to slow down anybody, and then you're going to have to ask John Gruden's system from 1998 to play, you know, to get in a scoring match with Philip Rivers and Patrick Mahomes and, and Case Keenum, who I'm putting in there just because, you know, to, to be polite. But, I mean, like, it's, it just can't see it happening. Like, that, that it's not going to work out. And Khalil Mack is a franchise guy, the face of a franchise. You build around a guy like Khalil Mack. It makes, it makes no sense. The player that I, I was thinking of was Rashawn Melvin. Oh, I think is, is, did you say that? Sorry, I no, I, I, no, I don't think so. I forgot that he he was this, maybe the one signing that I liked um, this offseason. But well, I mean, he's yeah. he's probably starting for them. I was even looking like further down the depth chart. I think I moved. I think I missed Rashad. Yeah, yeah he's oh. he's starting it out on the outside um, opposite Conley. Look, I, I've got them at the as the bottom team in this division. Um, I, I don't know if that's the mainstream view, but I don't know. Especially I, if Mac isn't locked in. I think that maybe most people have the Broncos finishing. I know Vegas has the Broncos with the lowest win total. They're at seven and a half, I think, and the Raiders are at eight or eight and a half. But I mean, I'm with you a hundred percent. I, I want, I want nothing to do with the Raiders. I think that they could win 12 games just out of randomness and like I, J- John Gruden insanity because I, I just, I don't, I don't, I can't. There's, I just can't trust them to not win 12 games. I think there's like a two percent chance, but I, I think more than likely they're a four-win team. Yeah. Oh, four. Jeez. I don't know, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I think Mac is one of those players where too he'll move the needle that like three wins. Uh, you know, I mean, you think this defense is bad with him? Well, yeah. Yeah. No. I, I. I mean, like it's it's hard to say that somebody's a three-win player. You know, it was like baseball wars. Like like even the yeah. best pitchers like five wins or something like that. But, I mean, I think that Khalil Mack might have upwards of that influence on this team because of how bad the defense will be. Uh, last team, last uh, division in the AFC, AFC North, everybody sort of buys into the idea that the Steelers are the best team. I can't really decide who I like to be the second best team between the Ravens and the Bengals, so I'll let you pick. And if you have to you're, – you're locked in a room and your life depends on it and what, you need a quarterback to win one game – do you want Joe Flacco or Andy Dalton? Oh my God. So I 
actually watched both of these guys week three or, you know, because I've been hearing that Joe Flacco had been having a strong preseason, strong camp or whatever. So I kind of wanted to see him. And then I actually, I watched Dalton too, because I wanted to see Josh Allen. Um, did you watch that, the Bengals Bills game? Yeah, it was incredible. Sunday, like the Sunday matinee, uh, shootout. Phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, um, I, I kind of feel like the Bengals after that game were like, all right, give Gino Atkins all the money in the world. Um, <laughs> what a beast. Good signings for them, him and Dunlap. And at, I thought a pretty good price. Um, that play where he lifted, I think it was Vladimir Ducasse, one of the, jeez, oh, that line. Oh my god, he put him in the air. He put Gino, yeah. Gino put him in the <laughs> air. Bull rushed him into Josh Allen, who's also a big dude, was one of the funniest images I've ever seen. Um, that Bengals front seven, you know, stays underrated as hell. But, um, Dalton, all of which is a long way of saying, Dalton looked really good, I thought, in, again, against the Bills. Um, but him, him and AJ Green look pretty locked in and Eifert's presence on the field is such a difference maker for yeah. him. Um, you know, he's never going to have that 2015 season again. I think it's pretty obvious now that that was an aberration and that line does still have some question marks, but I still like him better than Flacco. I just think he's been a little bit more consistent, even though they both had aberration years or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I'd go with Andy. Well, the correct answer is actually Joe Flacco because in this instance, these guys would know that your life was on the line. Like somebody would go to Flacco and Dalton before the game and be like, Mina Kimes' life is on the line. You have to win this game. And they, like Flacco would turn into Superman and Andy Dalton would act like he was on a primetime game. Um, but I, I, I am a little, like I picked the, I'm picking the Ravens to win the division. Um, and I'm a little nervous because of how good the Bengals look. Like John Ross, I'm 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 all about some John Ross hype. He's a UW guy. He's he was he was good in the he was good in the red zone when he was with Washington. And of course, he's a deep threat with you know his obvious speed. Uh, you're right about Eifert. He changes things on that offense. And then if if Andy Dalton has an offensive line, he's just a good quarterback. Like if you yeah. if you protect him and give him a red zone weapon like Eifert, he's going to have a good year. That offense will be good. And maybe the Bengals. Win a playoff game in Marvin's like comeback season. I could, I could almost. Where are you? Where are you at with the Browns in terms of? Because you know, I could see you being on a Tyrod bandwagon here, right? <laughs> I think it is. Those three teams are all pretty close, to be honest. Um, you know, behind Pittsburgh. Um, I my concerns about the Browns are less about the talent and more about how that talent is deployed. Mm. So (laughs) I continue to be befuddled by decisions made in that organization, but on paper, obviously like Tyra Taylor, you know, and they open with a pretty difficult schedule. So again, I'm worried. I think they've got the Steelers week one. Is that correct? Yes. In Cleveland. In Cleveland. Okay. So, and then the the Saints. Yep. Steelers, Saints. And then they get the jet. I like to point this out at every possible uh, instance, but if they, they get the Steelers at Saints, Jets at home, at Raiders, then Ravens and Chargers. So like, it's totally possible they start one and five and fire Hugh Jackson, which means that if, if they, if the only game they win is the Jets, he will have never won a, a game on a Sunday in Cleveland if he gets fired, uh, before his second win of the year. I'm just, I, I guess if they start out 0 and 2, which is the most likely scenario, the Tyrod benching calls are going to be really intense. And I'm, I actually, I think, Baker has shown a lot 
I don't have weirdly I don't have a strong um preference for either quarterback to be honest but I do have a strong preference for consistency right yeah. and um this obviously the quarterback situation there has been so mismanaged I will say one thing about the Ravens um I think the Jimmy Smith suspension is huge with that mm. team and so um, you know, having him, they, they start out pretty easy, but not having him for this first four games, is, I think, will weigh a lot more heavily on that organization than people might suspect. Um, I don't know. I, I, but to go back, you know, I just can't get super excited about any of those teams outside of Pittsburgh. Um, and, and I'm not as high on, I think, Baltimore as a lot of people for that reason. I took Baltimore at 50 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So if, if it happens, I'll take it. And it seems very, really? yeah, in <laughs> Vegas, it, it, it's now like 25 to 1. So, I guess that's good news. Like the market, the market moving in your direction is usually kind of good news, I guess. Um, all right. We'll go, we'll, we'll move more quickly through the NFC side so that way I don't end up uh, locking down your entire day. The NFC South has, this is actually the NFC South is people don't know this, but it's the media members who all were on the chargers the last few years have now splintered. Half of us are taking the, the Falcons and half of us, half of us, half of us are taking the Saints. Your team Saints. I'm team Falcons. Who's more cursed? Saints or Falcons? Well, the Falcons have more of a cursed history, and so I'm inclined to go Falcons, even though I really like that team, and I had, this was like a true Sophie's choice for me, okay? <laughs> I think these are two, the Saints and the Falcons are extraordinarily talented, both teams. Um, the Saints, I just think, are a little bit more balanced, and I just trust Drew Brees and Peyton a little bit more. Um I, I mentioned this on Bill's podcast, but the Falcons' defense perplexes me every season. They should be so much better than they are, yeah. especially in the first half. So I look at that, and I, the depth chart, and it's so talented, okay, on paper. And But I have no confidence for some reason in them, despite the fact that they're coached by a defensive, you know, head coach. Um, Bill was skeptical about the Saints, and I just think that defense – first of all, I've liked what I've seen, even though – People, I have quibbles with what they, it took to get him. I've, I liked what I've seen from Marcus Davenport, and I think he's just going to unleash Cameron Jordan to raise holy hell. Okay, I, so, yeah. um, and and I see a lot of those young guys, um, you know, Lattimore, Williams stepping up this season again, you know, having that opportunity. So I, I don't know. I, I just think that the Saints are a little bit more reliable, even though those teams, from a talent perspective, might be evil. You're right about the um the. The Falcons defense, the thing, cause I was writing my, I think the Falcons are going to win the Super Bowl, bold prediction story for earlier this week. And I, uh, I was going back to, I was like, all right, I'll look and see what they were in DVOA the last two years. It's like 22nd and 26 and 22nd. They were terrible. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's they were so terrible. Talented. And they, but they, but see, to me, and I know momentum, like to borrow from Bill's, Barnwell's, you know, uh, phrasing, but like momentum doesn't matter and it's not real or whatever. But I do think the fact that the Falcons got better each year, the last two years as the season went along and there's so much consistency on that roster in that front office with that coaching staff, um, you know, on, on both sides of the ball that I could just see them taking off. The one, the one big problem for the Falcons is the Saints, to be perfectly honest. I can't, I'm, I can't decide what I think about, uh, the Panthers. I do think building an offense around Christian McCaffrey is a good idea. But I just I I I've seen that line. That line. I know. Good lord, they're not good. Ryan Khalil was getting bullied too, and he's one of the good guys. Yeah, I. That's again with the, with the lines. You know, um, the Falcons had a little bit of health regression last year, but they're both solid on both lines. To be honest, although the 
probably the Falcons uh, D lines a little bit better, but um, you know, the saints also like we talked about this uh, very briefly before we started, I, I was very puzzled by the Bridgewater trade from an organizational standpoint. I don't think it makes any sense Ooh. from a winning the Super Bowl this year standpoint, which is there's only two ways in which this, the, the Bridgewater, you know, getting up third for him makes sense. One is that they know something about Drew Brees. We don't. Either that he's going to retire, that yeah. he's hurt or something. Well, if he's hurt, that's terrifying for the Super Bowl chances. Yeah. Like. But so that's one possibility. And then the other one is that they are so all in this year that, you know, this is their Nick Foles, whatever, Hail Mary. Like the only thing that they think can derail them is losing Brees. And so they think that Bridgewater, you know, is maybe the only person capable enough to carry them. And, I can't quibble with that. I think it's a terrible long term, especially what they give up to Davenport. Not giving up that third, it makes no sense. But from a winning the Super Bowl this year perspective, sure. It's a really expensive insurance policy. It seems like unless the idea is let's get Teddy in here, we'll show him that Drew Brees is not going to play forever, that he would be great in this offensive system. That we were joking about the whole Taysom Hill thing. That was just a joke, guys. We don't really think. Taysom Hill is going to be a superstar, even though we told the media members that he would be, so they talk about him. Um, and, uh, and, and then you're like, hey, and then you get first crack at Teddy on a cheap free agency deal to try to get him to stick around. But is he Why definitely going to do, do that? that? Right. Why would Teddy sign anything less than 10, 12 APY? Like, I think he showed enough in preseason to get more than that. Yeah. You, I mean, no, I, it, look, Teddy already, t- Teddy already did it once. He went to New York and he signed a deal for less. Have. Yeah. And like he won, he, he played well. He's not going to, he's not going to do the Mike Glennon route where he goes to some place and then expects somebody to, to destroy him by taking, uh, you know, a Mitchell Trubisky in the, in the, in the second overall pick or something like that. I, I don't know. It, it, I, I like it for the insurance, but it's, it does seem like the Saints are shoving everything in the middle, which could lead you to believe that Drew Brees is retiring after this year. Which I mean, it would be a little surprising considering the window, considering the contract he signed. Uh, yeah. Do you think that it's possible? Have you ever seen the quote? I'm trying to find it right now. I should have looked it up before the podcast, but I will. I'll blame my family for that. Um, do you think it's possible that Jerry Jones's Faustinian deal with the devil is still alive and kicking? Because back in the mid '90s, he said before one, his last Super Bowl, he said. He's, he tells a story, I think he told Mike Silver or somebody, he's like, you know, I got down on my knees and I said, God, like, if you give me the Super Bowl, I'll never ask for anything else again. And the Cowboys won. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of a, that's sort of a, like, you can't really expect to win again, Jerry, if, if you ask for nothing, if you say, I don't want anything else, right? It's a great question. Um, great impersonation, by the way. That was my really. best Jerry I've done on this podcast yet. So really strong. Uh, so, I don't know about that, but I also feel like I don't know anything about the Cowboys. Um, you know, I was working on my preview notes and I have so much trouble figuring out what to expect from this team. I, and I'm curious where you, you land on them because I, I don't know. I just think, I think this division is, um, after the Eagles pretty hard to rank the other three teams. And I feel like I cannot project this Cowboys team. Um, I guess. Like, you know, we know, obviously, there's no wide receivers there or tight ends. None. So those seem to be things you need to play football. Um, But the defense is – I kind of think they're going to be better. Um, But beyond that, I I really don't know. I think that the defense will be better because of the defensive linemen. 
that they've yeah. got in there. And they, I mean, like, I guess we trust Randy Gregory to stay on the field. Certainly they have Demarcus Lawrence, who's going to be playing for a big contract. And, yeah. and I think Taco Charlton can be a guy they slide around there. So I like that. I like the depth at linebacker they built out with Sean Lee and Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. So they should stay healthy. They got some young, I almost think, Mina, that we might be approaching a point where the Cowboys defense could be better than the Cowboys offense. Interesting. I, yeah, well, and then obviously some of the injuries on that offensive line are very concerning or, you know, with Frederick, um, it's not an injury, his autoimmune disorder. Yeah. You know, there's no knowing when he's going to come back. Uh, I believe Zach Martin is slated for week one, right? But just to have that level of uncertainty on one of the premier most reliable, although Tyron Smith obviously was gone most last season, which I, I think was probably the source of 75% of their problems. Um, oh yeah. So that, I mean, yeah. That lack of certainty just concerns me, but I would actually, I want to ask you something because sure. not to make this about me, but that story, the Jalen Ramsey story, Cowboys <laughs> fans were angry in my mentions because he said the Cowboys staffers told him they were going to pick him. They went with Zeke instead because Jerry overruled him. Now he will not play for um, Dallas. Do you think they made the right decision? No, they didn't make the right decision. And this yeah. is about you because you, I mean, it's my podcast, but you're the guest. So it's like people <laughs> aren't, people aren't like, people aren't like tuning in. They're like, Oh, Princeton's on the podcast again. He does it five days a week. Like they're, they're reaching up because you're Mina Kimes is on here. Um, and by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Mina Kimes. Um, I think that they made the wrong decision because, well, A, I mean, well, look, the bottom line is that in all of the last four drafts, we have seen a big time running back get taken. I love Todd Gurley and I love, uh, Zeke Elliott and I love Leonard Fournette and I love, uh, Saquon Barkley. And I think that they're all really close in terms of transcendent talent, ability. I put Fournette at the bottom, but he's still, you know, a ram in that, in that Jaguars offense. But you can take a player from earlier in the first round, whether it's a quarterback like Deshaun Watson for the Jaguars, and then, uh, you know, a running back like Kareem Hunt in the third round. You can literally find in every one of those drafts a running back who would give you sort of the close to the same value in a later round and you can flip them with a player in the first round. So would you, and I mean, so A, you can get like the value there is better. And B, if you can add the best cornerback in the NFL versus a top five running back in the NFL, you take Jalen Ramsey every time. Yeah. <laughs> I, Okay, I'm going to drop a pretty bold take, which is I think I could get a first down behind that offensive line. Wow. That is a – yeah, I know. What I else, know, did, you, what else did you say you I'm, could do? There was something else you said you could do when we were on Twitter. What was it? It was uh, – um, I say a lot of things. We don't need to react <laughs> to everything. But I think that they're so good and I'm so small that they would lose sight of me. And I could <laughs> like squirt through like Darren Sproles style. Now, I would probably break every bone in my body when they landed on me, but, um, this is a long-winded way of saying, yes, I do, I don't think when you, with, with that line that they needed to spend that kind of draft capital on a running back in particular, but, and, and I do think they would have been better off taking Ramsey. The whole, the whole point behind them being draft geniuses and getting Travis Frederick, and people mocked him for that. Um, the Tyron Smith pick everybody was fine with in 2011, but the Zach Martin pick, you know, that was hotly debated with the Johnny Manziel stuff. And they turned out to be these draft geniuses who got offensive linemen 
the whole point is you can plug and play a good running back behind him and he can, and he can achieve at a high level of success without having to overspend on somebody like Zeke Elliott. And therefore you can use your resources on a, on a cornerback per se, like a, like a Jalen Ramsey. So I'm, I'm with Jalen on that. Like that's the thing. He says this stuff and it's inflammatory, <laughs> but it's sort of true. Like even his quarterback takes 75% of them were just right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I'm picking the Redskins in this division because I did it when they had Darius Geis and I'm, and I'm stupid and I'm sticking to my guns for, for some idiotic reason. In the NFC West, by the way, RJ White, who's on this, uh, this podcast yesterday is, uh, he put a bet on the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl. RJ made the, made money in the Super Contest last year. Likes him at 60. Yeah. He's a smart football guy. He likes him at 60 to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how nervous are you when it comes to Brian Schottenheimer's offense? Um, next question. No, um, 14. So here's the thing. I, I didn't love the hiring. I still don't love it. You know, it's not ideal, but I'm so, I'm significantly more concerned about the CF defense and CF's offense this year. Wow. I actually think the offense is going to be a lot better. Really? Do you think that it's going to be just a, like, well, it's going to be better because they're not going to make Russell Wilson do magic on every play, right? That That's the thing. Yeah, so I think that, you know, yeah, Schottenheimer, not great, but losing Cable so outweighed everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I like the Mike Solari hiring, you know, the offensive line coach. And I, I, you've already seen, again, I don't want to overweight preseason, but I think you, you we've already seen the fruits of that. Um, it hasn't looked perfect, but I, I think there's a chance that this offensive line could actually end up being close to average. Okay. Mm. Which for us, average, praise Jesus. Like, you know, put Solari in the Hall of Fame if he can turn this offensive line into an average unit. So, and I think that Russell Wilson looks fantastic. And so him plus an average offensive line, um, you know, with, I think, a, a decent wide receiver core and Chris Carson, who is, I, I believe, a really, really strong running back, I, that's fine. I'm much more worried about the injuries and the rookies starting on defense than anything happening on the other side of the ball. I think it was Greg Rosenthal who pointed this out, and I was, I was in the, in the room, and I, I didn't, I just didn't notice it until Greg said something, but, uh, at the owners meetings in, in March in Orlando, there was, they had all the NFC West guys on the same side of the room, and it was like, just hordes of media members around Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. Everybody's yucking it up and laughing and, you know, talking about, oh, like, look at the geniuses. And like, oh, we're geniuses. And then like Pete Carroll's over with like just Mike Sando and John Clayton. And he's just, nobody's talking to Pete Carroll. And you can see it just, he's just stewing. I mean, he could tell, not that he dislikes those guys or anything, but you could tell he's like, are you kidding me? I've owned this division for a decade. I ran Jim Harbaugh off. I ran Bruce Arians off. And you guys, nobody, nobody cares about me or thinks I'll be any good. Good. Like I think there's a, enough like insane Pete Carroll stuff there to to motivate his team to become competitive. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. I also people forget this team was one Blair Walsh, Walsh away from making the playoffs last yeah. year. Like everyone thinks they sucked last year. They didn't suck. They just had Blair Walsh. They should have been eleven and five. You know. Um, you know, granted they lost. You know, a bunch of players since then. <laughs> and, by the way, players that they're the loss of which. You can't blame the organization for it. Like, yeah. you know, Cam and Cliff and Sherman, who I, I, I have some questions about his ability to bounce back from that injury, so I wasn't, you know, too upset about that. But um, 
I, I just think that, oh, oh, and I forgot to mention the most important addition at all, Michael Dixon. <laughs> that's right. You were doing a really good job. This is my, that's my fault for dropping the ball on that because you have yeah. done an incredible job of branding yourself as the Thank Michael you. Dixon fan. And, um, and, Are you, it, do you think you should be offensive rookie of the year or defensive? This is the hottest debate <laughs> on NFL right now. I don't, uh, I, I'm leaning offense. Um, but I think he has a better chance of winning on defense. So maybe I should go with defense. What about both? That's what I said to Bill and, you know, but people took that as a joke. So I feel like I have to make a serious. You should, you should, <laughs> yeah. you should legitimately do like what these, what these schools do for their Heisman's. Like you should do Michael Dixon, like, uh, bobbleheads and send them out to media members and do like like get somebody to buy it like fund a bill like do a do a GoFundMe page for a billboard in seattle or like in times square where it's like dixon for o-r-o-y or something like that if he if he gets off to a hot start people already think i'm a homer and to them i say i do not think the seahawks are going to win the division i'm not an idiot uh it's Obviously, the Rams. I do think that both them and San Francisco are pretty high variance. They're pretty unpredictable right now. I, I actually, I have some concerns about the Niners too. Um, I, I watched their Week Three game as well, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo looks fantastic. And I think everyone's forgetting that most of the people around him are not good. And that jumped out at me a lot watching him, you know, lead a few drives there. So I'm, that it's gonna be a very interesting team to watch. Um, and I'm not as confident in them, I think, as some. I think that the – I don't think they're overrated. I just think they're not there yet. Like, the mm-hmm. Rams are there. I don't think the 49ers are there. I, I would – if I was picking – when I'm, I'm picking the division next week, I will probably – if I'm feeling insane, I might pick the Seahawks, but I'm definitely picking the Seahawks <laughs> to finish. I won't do it. I won't. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, please, please don't do that. Like you've no, already, you, got the Ravens, yeah. you got the Ravens, Titans, and Seahawks. It's like you've been a little too cute here, Will. Um I, I do think that I'll pick the Seahawks to finish above the 49ers though. I, I think Seattle could be a, a fringe wildcard contender if everything breaks right and the offensive line is good and they can, they can figure some things out on defense. All right. Last division. Um, and this is, God, we just, you, you had another great profile on Aaron Rodgers. Was it last year? I think. Yep. This time last year. Yeah. This time last year. And so you've spent some time hanging out with him and sort of picking his brain. You know, everybody, Agrees that he's a thoughtful individual who um, is interested in uh, changing things for the better for people. I wonder, not that you know he has to be a labor hero or anything like that, but were you surprised that he didn't sign a deal that was had some sort of bizarre built-in layers to it, whether it's opt-outs after every year or salary cap percentage or just like Kirk Cousins and go fully guaranteed? He said on, uh, I didn't see which radio show it was, but today that, that those things were talked about. So, yeah. you know, some of the reports we were hearing that they were looking at kind of some of the, some crazy unprecedented things were true. Um, I wasn't surprised, just the timing just wasn't there for him, yeah. you know, uh, with two years left, it, I just don't think it was possible. Now, I think he has, and, and, and which is, all of which is to say, I think that Packers ended up with a pretty good deal. I think that because of the timing, so it ends when he's 40, I believe, right? Yeah, the contract ends when he's 40. And then the other thing with the timing, too, is the CBA. Like, you have yeah. no idea what the CBA is going to look like. Exactly. And I think with where the cap's going, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some sort of breeze-type restructuring extension when those final two years, mm. you know, as he entered when he's like 38 or whatever, assuming everything sticks. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, 
it wasn't a groundbreaking deal at all. It was funny. Some people were asking me, they're like, oh, wow, like, what does this mean for the quarterbacks? And I said, nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It was actually pretty, pretty vanilla aside from him getting enough more money than like the GDP of, you know, Wisconsin <laughs> over this season. Um, but, you know, he, he's a guy who likes continuity in some ways for all, for despite being a very kind of a somewhat progressive forward looking guy. I, I wasn't surprised that he'd want to finish out his career in Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, it's, we always, you know, we, we look at like LeBron James moving teams and it's easy to talk about the concept of Aaron Rodgers just bopping around the league and playing for different teams. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. You know, yeah. you, you can't go like Aaron Rodgers can't just go to the Browns and make, I mean, maybe he could go to the Browns and make them great, but there's so many different factors that go into it and you're so comfortable and these guys are creatures of routine and all that, that it would be very surprising. Do you think the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers plays 16 games, will be better than the Vikings or will the Vikings be the team to beat in this division? I still think it's the Vikings. I've got the Packers as a wild card team. Um, you know, and that's obviously assuming Aaron Rodgers is healthy. I, I think the Vikings defense is just too good. Mm. Um, they're just too good at every level. There's just too many stars on that roster. And I still have a lot of question marks in Green Bay, although I'm very pleased with the early returns, um, on the secondary. You know, they've obviously invested a lot of draft capital in their cornerbacks and it, and it looks good so far. I really like Josh Jackson. I thought he was underdrafted. So yeah. good for them. Um, same with Alexander and then my Husky, Kevin King, I think is going to take a big leap forward this season. So that'll help a lot. But, um, you know, I, I, I just, it'll be close. You know, I'll say that. And I expect the Vikings to win fewer games. I mean, the, the Pat, Aaron Rodgers being healthy. I, I think in general, people underestimated the impact that had on, not just the NFC North, but the entire NFL, like bringing down the average and quarterback play, yeah, and stuff. I it, it is this is a little bit tangential, but it's funny to me how everyone's looking around like, wow, there's so many good quarterbacks in the <laughs> NFL right now. Like a year after everybody was like, wow, quarterbacks are over, the NFL sucks. Yeah, it turns out when you lose some of your best players to injury, it things get worse. So now they're back. So well, I, I think it's going to make a huge impact when when like five of the Ten best quarterbacks in the NFL are out with an injury. Yes, it's it's going to be that's that is a, that's a it's a great point because it's it's so perfectly stupid how we operate in not just the media but like football in general. We're, we're, it's like think pieces about the quarterback position dying in the middle of 2017, and then six months later, it's like we're entering the golden age of quarterbacking. Like, like <laughs> what a U-turn we took there. Yeah, um, he, he's my MVP pick, by the way. I don't know about yours. I'm sure you, you got some wacky like Melvin Ingram or something. <laughs> Philip Rivers, um, Joe Flacco. No, I don't. I don't know. I haven't picked. I think I'm going. I don't know who I'm going for MVP yet. I probably do have some stupid wacky pick there. You're right about that. Uh, are you buying or selling the Bears very quickly? Ah, uh, God, I, I, that's one where I was buying them a little bit more before preseason, and I hate saying preseason impacted my thinking, but I just didn't see it with Trubisky. Now, the reason I was buying it was because I'm a big Andy Reid coaching tree fangirl. Sure. Right? Um, and so I was very – I think most people are correctly excited by their coaching hires, and obviously the notion, not just the fact that they hired Nae, who had some success in Kansas City, although it trailed off a little bit at the end, but the fact that that seemed to mesh very well with Mitch Trubisky's skill set being an athletic quarterback and then yep. throwing the run. We just haven't seen it yet. Now, I think it's it's very plausible, and obviously we literally didn't see any of him week three. I, I think it's possible that they're kind of keeping some stuff under wraps in Chicago. Um, so I'd like to withhold judgment a little bit. 
Um, and I liked a lot of their other offseason moves, both on offense and defense, but I'm just a little bit nervous. I'm just not sure Trubisky is there yet. Yeah, I think the problem, too, is the division. It's like I, yeah. I would love to buy into the Bears, but this division is just impossible. Uh, okay, I kept you probably longer than you would like to talk, but this is a, a lot of fun. Mina Kimes on Twitter. You can read her Jalen Ramsey piece at ESPN.com. It is excellent. You should definitely go check it out if you haven't already seen it. Um, thanks for participating in Congrats Twitter in IRL. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, bud. All right. Appreciate it, Mina. Take care. Have a good day. Bye.